I'm not sure you caught it or not, but this is actually the third straight gospel, a week in a row, where Jesus refers to the vineyard. So what is uh, the vineyard? He's using them in parables. Well, we get our answer actually from our responsorial psalm, which is taken from our first reading. From Isaiah chapter 5, the vineyard is the house of Israel, right? The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. So where do we see this? Well, we see it from the prophet Isaiah, which we heard about, and this is very beautiful passage. You know, it starts off by saying, let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. It's actually a better interpretation. Essentially, let me paraphrase. Let me now sing of my lover, my love song concerning his people. And that's a key. That God loves his people. He loves the people of Israel, the promised inheritance, the chosen people. And so he says, this is what I've done for them. This is what Isaiah says. He talks about building this, this vineyard. My friend had a vineyard, vineyard on a fertile hillside. And even there in our mind, we should be going, hillside? What does that sound like? Well, Jerusalem built upon a hill. So the vineyard is Jerusalem. The vineyard is this promised land. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower. So you don't usually put a watchtower in a vineyard, but he did, because it's Jerusalem, and hewed out a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it yielded was wild grapes. He's thinking, that's fine, Father. There's nothing wrong with wild grapes. Maybe it's organic. I don't know. It's not what it is. Wild grapes are pointless. They're worthless. You'd never want to eat them, and you wouldn't want to make wine out of them. They're too sour. So this is the Lord saying, I've done everything. I've set this all up, and I come to receive my produce, my grapes, and all receive is wild grapes, which means that they are wicked, that they are unrighteous. And so this is Isaiah saying this is what's going to happen, is the Lord is going to do what, what with his vineyard. He's going to take away its hedge. He's going to give it to grazing. He's going to break through its wall and let it be trampled. Yes, he will make it a rune, should not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and breeze. The destruction, we could say, and this is prophet Isaiah, foretelling, yes, the destruction of the temple. The Babylonian exile to come. That this promised land is going to be overrun. But that's not where the story ends. Why? Because God loves us. And as we've heard over and over and over again, God gives us not only second chances, he gives us infinite chances. And he truly loves his people. And so we know the Babylonian exile comes to an end. We know they rebuild the temple, and now we have Jesus in the temple in our parable from today of Matthew 21. 
And who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the chief priest and the elders. So he's talking to the top of the top. And they're listening to him. And he says, let me tell you another parable. And he uses the parable of the vineyard. So right away, these chief priests and these elders would have known what Jesus was speaking about because Isaiah chapter 5 was a popular uh, passage. They would have known it. We know it now. They would have known it even better back then. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press, and built a tower. Exact correlation with Isaiah chapter 5. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. So when vintage time came near, we know this story. He sent his servants to go and collect the produce. But the tenants seized the servants. One they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. We know who this is. This is the prophets. This is what the ancestors of Israel have done, killing the prophets that God has sent, telling them to repent of their ways and to turn towards the Lord, giving themselves to God instead of these pagan idols or other bad things. Turn away from their unrighteousness. But instead, what do they do? They kill these servants. Now, let's just pause real quick. If you owned a company... And all of a sudden you sent, you know, your, your foreman to go to the company to collect, I don't know, the money for the week. And they killed those foremen. What would you do? I think you'd probably call the authorities. You'd have them arrested. you maybe, you know, obviously not hire them again. But that's not what God does. See, what God does in this parable is he sends other servants. So already we see that there's something amazing going on. Why does God send other servants? Because he loves these tenants of the vineyard. And he wants for them, he wants for them to succeed. He wants for them to be able to continue to be in this vineyard, to be these promised people. So he sends other servants. And so what do they do? The same exact thing. And now this parable, this gets ridiculous. Because it would never happen. The landowner says, truly, truly, they will respect my son. So he sends his son. And we know who this is. We know that it's Jesus. This is what God does. But now Jesus is in the parable saying this is what's going to happen to him. But when the tenants saw their son, the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. Hmm. They don't need to kill God. They don't need to kill Jesus to acquire the inheritance that God wants to give them. What inheritance does God want to give the Israelites? For them to be his people. For them to be his children. And for him to be their God. This is the inheritance that he gives each and every one of us. And yet, what do they do? They are so self-centered. They are so unrighteous. They are so wretched as we hear that they kill. They kill the son so that they may acquire this, this inheritance that may be theirs. And they don't need the landowner. They don't need God. 
Does it ever sound like us, by the way? I don't need God. Hmm. Yes, we do, first off. And second off, he desires to give himself to us. So Jesus uses this, this parable, and then he asks this question, what will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? And we hear the chief priests and the elders say, he'll put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. And we know what happens about 70 years from then, give or take, the destruction of the temple, that Jerusalem is sacked again, that the Israelites have to flee. And we also know, I think even more importantly, what happens with Jesus, is that he is what, as we hear, the cornerstone, the stone which the builders rejected. They rejected him. Not only did they reject him, they killed him. And he has become the cornerstone of this new Jerusalem, we could say. And not only Jerusalem, this church, which is open to all of us. This line, by the way, comes from Psalm 118. And 118, once again, is a very popular psalm because it's one that is used at the Passover meal. And it's a reference of that once again, this, this line, this goes right to the full thing of it. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. We know who this stone is. It is Jesus, and now he is building up this, this new Jerusalem, this, this new vineyard, and he's opening it up for you and for me, and he's saying, come, be tenants of my vineyard. And why does he do this? Once again, it's ridiculous. We have denied him over and over and over again, but why does he do this? Because we are his children whom he loves. And he wants for us to enter into this relationship with him. Not because he needs us, but because we need him. And he gives himself to us. And he says, come and give me the produce which I desire. And what is that produce that he desires? It's yourself. Giving ourselves over to God. Abandoning ourselves to him. Not rejecting him. Not being wretched but instead simply saying, Lord, it is you who I will work for. It is you who I will go to for all of my needs. It is you whom I truly will love. And when we do this, what is going to happen? We're not only going to be in a vineyard in this world, but that eternal vineyard that eternal life with God, who shares his inheritance with us, who shares his divinity with us, so that we may be with him because we are his children, whom he loves. God's story is a love story, a love that he has for us 
that is inexpressible in words, but a love that we have the option to choose or not to choose. Let's choose his love, and in doing so, come into this relationship, into this inheritance, into this eternal life with him.